0: Candyman, a podcast not about the horror series Candyman or its subsequent sequels, but actually Sweet Tooth on Netflix, the show where we talk about each episode and then review a piece of candy. I'm Alex.
1: I'm Justin. Welcome to Cheers, uh, the show that's not about what you say when you're toasting a friend at a party. It's about a bar where a bunch of people drink.
0: I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about the second episode of Season 1 of Sweet Tooth. Sorry about all the dead people. And later on in the episode, reviewing Three Musketeers, the candy bar. Ooh-hoo-hoo! As promised in the last episode, so slash threatened. <laughs> Ooh, you got a full size. Uh, right, yeah, what I'm, do you mean a full size? What are you talking about a full size?
2: How can you we'll get not to do this we'll right get to it every we'll get to it time?
0: We'll get, it, I, we'll get to it later. We'll oh, get to it later. Yeah. Go but buy now,
2: candy bar. How is that hard?
1: How was it in the great glass elevator. Did you
2: land it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You weirdo.
0: Vermicious canids. Really uh, oh, boy. terrifying. Oh, we man. are going to be talking about, as mentioned, the second episode here. If you haven't seen it, go watch it on the Netflix show is because phenomenal. It's great. Uh, we're going to talk about all sorts of spoilers. So uh, turn away if you haven't checked out the episode yet. If you had, come on in. We would love to chat with <laughs> you about it. Uh, now we really like the first episode. I think my, uh, y- as usual, one hesitation was this is a great episode how does this work as a tv show i think as usual we find that out very well here in the second episode um i honestly i like this one better than the first even i thought this yeah. was fantastic
1: agreed really amazing. i thought the first episode was almost like a, a film uh, a mm-hmm. short film with a little bit of um to be con- a cliffhanger attacked onto the end of it when this felt like an episode of TV. Just again, so much dread. This uh, this show feels like the way Walking Dead felt back in the beginning, mm-hmm. but they don't. I don't know about that. They they keep the dread. Go- it's much lighter. The characters yeah, are a little more say, fun. There's
2: humor. There's heart. Yes, you're, you're sad. But
1: I will say, Walking Dead was like everything's great. Murder. And in this show, it's like there's just dread at all times. There's tension yeah. underlying everything. And I, I like this formula better because it makes it keeps the drama high while also letting us enjoy these characters.
2: Yeah. You can't even enjoy a nice little horsey ride through the countryside because there's so much <laughs> dread going on.
1: Yeah. Well, definitely that one was a, <laughs> that
2: one made a little more sense.
0: referring to it as a horsey ride, I guess. Yeah.
2: I'm
1: just going on a horsey ride to get life-saving medicine for my (laughs) (laughs) wife.
0: So, broad overview of this episode, in case you powered through the series and are going back and listening to this or, hey, however you're watching, it's all good. But in this episode, Gus has finally caught up with Jepper. Jepper wants nothing to do with him. Uh, Gus eats all of his food, so they end up having to hide out at a visitor center that is already populated by a family of three. Gus friends, the 11-year-old boy, one of the last human children born before hybrids were born, uh, and they uh, kind of warm up to them a little bit Uh, certainly the mom does it's very sweet there's a lot of bonding but of course the outside world pokes his head in in the form of hunters who are coming straight for gus we also find out a little bit more about the rules of the world which i thought were interesting they work very similar to how they did in the comic book, uh, but there's still a lot of tweaks in terms of the plot. And then on the other side, we have two other characters that we are promised are going to tie in. At some point, they haven't as of yet. We got Dr. Singh, whose wife surprisingly turns out to be alive thanks to some life-saving medicine. The twist at the end there is he's now going to have to make the medicine as the doctor who has oh. been making it is going to die of cancer. There's some terrible secret behind it. We speculate. made from speculate. people. Well, not... I'm going to guess it's a certain uh, young animalistic type of people in particular, but we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, sorry, bud. And then we also meet Amy this episode. She bookends it. She is this very nervous, very introverted person who has hidden out most of the apocalypse, ends up living in a zoo. And at the end, we find out that she adopts a little pig boy. Uh, so we'll have to find out more about that
1: <laughs> What? That's what it is The way you said that, a little A pig boy, you're not going to believe this, it's a pig boy <laughs> yeah. Can you believe boy. It's a pig boy it's, it's a pig boy
2: I mean, Amy uh, really had a moment there You know, where she was trapped in a little box And then heard a noise And ran out into the street And realized her dream of living at a zoo You know, and it's it's nice
1: She got a zoo uh, yeah. She bought a zoo um, yeah. The I was... She was in a mundane cage, as we hear um, the lovely yeah. James Brolin just really Sam Ellioting it out.
0: Incredible. Here. And just to mention, if anybody's confused, it's James Brolin, not Josh Brolin. Yeah, Only yes. an idiot. Oh, an absolute idiot people. would think it was Jay- Josh Brolin. But no, it's James Brolin, the husband of Barbara Streisand.
1: Yes. Just another Brolin. We're Brolin and Brolin all day long. <laughs> you see uh, me,
2: Brolin.
1: They yeah. brave <laughs>
2: Uh, I would like to say, since we're talking about the Brolin, I mean, the narration in this is a very high quality. And, like, he gets to say, like, some really classic narration stuff, like, she was done with the world, but the world wasn't done with her. I mean, that's come a on. Great, it's that's like, like movie just, phone all yeah, day, all yeah. night I on mean, you mean, If you're going to sign up for a narration job and you get to say that line, I mean, that's better than, in a world. I mean, come on. That's just narration living right there.
1: It's basically the same thing. And obviously, he's a great narrator for another reason. Like, it's just his voice. He's not showing his face. He's saying the words. So you're right. Yes, Peter, like, like most narrators who show their face. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, it's me, the narrator. Just to say <laughs> uh, bye. And I remember I'm not a character just my voice. Anyway, I'll sit right here blocking a lot of the view. The whole.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's Pete. Pete, do you think you're the narrator when we go see movies
1: together? Is that what's going on? Is that why you're shouting
2: the entire time? Exactly. I'm just letting people know what's up. He's the
1: narrator for everyone in the theater. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of his narration is, oh, shit!
0: (laughs) That's right, yeah. Let's talk about Amy, though, just uh, because it is this very isolated section. Uh, What did you think about her? What did you think about the thrust of her story? And potentially, how it, if at all Connects to the rest of the episode
1: uh, Well, I couple things What was she eating in her office? She spent a lot of time in her office and do you I think was she wondering
0: had, that too Did she have a bunch of snacks?
2: Yeah, she was just slowly eating what was left in the vending machine Going to Carol's desk raiding her desk for the peanut butter cups You know, like, just living yeah. off the office mm-hmm. uh, Famous do desk you think? Order.
0: I mean, my big question is Do you think she was getting enough of her syrup?
1: Well, you mean like, see, she has a sweet tooth?
0: Yeah, like, she also has a sweet tooth. Is she drinking enough syrup? Because as we have established in this world, everybody, in order to be healthy, needs to drink a proper amount of syrup. So, uh, I don't know. I didn't see a lot of trees around there that she could tap, is all I'm This saying.
1: is a big lumberjack. Uh, everyone on this earth are descendants from the great lumberjacks uh, that came early who love their maple syrup. Yes. They love it. Pancakes, French toast, and eggs, which seems like a lot, but
2: realistically, if you had to love off maple syrup, it wouldn't be that bad of a life. You know I mean? I love sweet. maple
1: syrup. I love maple. It would be pretty sweet. I love maple donuts. I love maple. I love pancakes. I love French toast. Oh, man. I love a waffle. All- I love a waffle because it's a cup for
2: maple
1: syrup. <laughs> wow, regular I agree. Uh, bubble I agree.
0: over here except for maple syrup. Um, I like these Amy sections a lot. I thought they were very evocative and interesting. I am curious to see how it ties together with Gus's story at this point because they do seem – so relatively separate, though. Certainly the theme of this episode seems to be about isolation uh, versus exploring the outside world. Uh, what, what do you want to say, Pete? What's going I'm on? I'm
2: just going to say, but the narrator said in the beginning that like all these people are in their separate, but they're going to be flowing together. You'll see how they all come together. Yes. There's and no I trust him that.
0: because anybody I would trust with the love of Barbara Streisand's life, I would trust with my narration. Exactly. It's crazy how many
1: it. times, how many times he mentions Barbara over the course of a narration. Yeah, you I mean, got it's too much. It's yeah. Yes, my lovely wife Barbara wanted to say this yeah. zoo is sick. <laughs> sick but, zoo, right? I, uh, oh, that's I
0: classic Barbara Streisand. <laughs>
1: she's always pointing out how sick zoos are. That's why she's a funny girl. Yes, uh, uh, I, I, I didn't like think. To, how, Oh, her weapon, her weapon is as a shitty statuette mm-hmm. mistake. And well, I also
2: thought it was strange. Why yeah. is her first stop a zoo? Well, that's the beauty of it. Because like she, uh, first off, I really liked her, the, you know, just the kind of like, I'm a therapist. This job is rough. Uh, and then like it kind of breaking her a little bit. And then her just being trapped in there and then finally like hearing a noise that's different enough to get her out. I was you want to talk about oh shit moments. I was screaming at uh, my screen to get the fuck out of the middle of the the street while you're just watching some giant thing come at you. But the smile on her face when she saw the elephants, it brought her back to like some place. And she realized like, oh, if it's the end of the world, I'm gonna go fucking live at a zoo. Now, where's your first stop in a post-apocalypse
1: as far as like a zoo-style
2: place? I got to say Enchanted Forest Water Safari. Oh, where the fun never
1: stops? That's right. I sort of feel like when the apocalypse (laughs) hit, the fun stops. The fun slows down. If it doesn't (laughs) stop, it slows down a great deal. As long as
2: the water still works, you're good, man.
1: Uh, Those water slides are not powered by fun. I think electricity (laughs) plays a large role.
2: Well, if, as long as you've got electricity, the the fun doesn't stop. For me, I think first stop would be
0: M&M's world in Times Square. <laughs> really got to just Safe. stock up on supplies there, you
1: know? Smart. Yeah, you've, Smart. you've been trying to crack open that um, that talking green M&M for quite some time, right?
0: Yeah, well, crack him. I've had him tied to a chair and torture him like they do in the commercials or whatever. Those commercials? What
1: messed up. I agree. The, the way the m M&M and com- commercials both sexualize the m ms in a lot of them and also are like, let's eat the insides of this one. Are like, <laughs> I don't know. They're like, look at these lovable characters. Well, they have
0: problems, too. Here's the thing. Not a lot of people know this, but the TV show on NBC, Hannibal, was actually a loose adaptation of the M&M's <laughs> oh commercials. Yeah, <laughs> it's true.
2: Uh, but See where would cremate? you guys uh, run once the apocalypse? I already said M&M's World. What about you, Justin? M-
1: yeah. M&M's World? Um, I... Uh, I would have to stop by some sort of pickle shop.
2: No, uh, oh, yeah.
1: because I would not want to stock up. <laughs> I'm glad up.
2: you're keeping it real, man. I'm glad you're keeping it real.
1: Pickles last, and yes. a lot of people. It's going to be harder to make pickles for the because <laughs> there's a lot of steps. You got to carry
2: all those jars with you, man.
1: No barrel. Pickles come in easy, (laughs) large format travel barrel. You can roll a barrel. Just look at Donkey Kong. He's just stockpiling pickles. I will. He's
2: lose. I would just. I just pictured an apocalyptic world where you're just rolling a barrel down the. You're balancing
1: on it, right? That's what I'm doing exactly. I'm running it. I'm like, just try and catch me, you pickle monsters. Oh my god. The same stuff is
0: good. I think maybe I'm remembering stuff from the comic because, like I mentioned last time, we read all the issues, but it's very foggy in my memory exactly what happens. But I assume she's going to start gathering up these animal children into the zoo, letting them live there, uh, and Gus will encounter them at some point. Uh, But it should be interesting when that comes crashing together. Let's move on, talk about Singh and his plotline, because also, at least at this point, it's very separate. I, just to kick it off, I loved... The little twist there that, I, I don't know about you guys, but watching it, the way that it's it plays out, it really seems like, oh, his wife died, he's alone, he's doing this Scrabble thing yes. by himself. And then she's there, and yeah. it completely and exactly the right way through me.
2: And he's, well, anyway, I, I fucking cheating. Like, he's straight up cheating in that game. At like, Scrabble. Or you think he's cheating on his wife? <laughs> well, if you're cheating at Scrabble, what else are you cheating on? You know what I mean? Wow.
1: Much harder to cheat on your wife when most of the people in the world have died. But, cheater's going to cheat. uh i love this because they surprise us with that and then instantly we get her pinky popping yeah um and you're like oh my god how is this like they don't doing that they don't tell they just show i can't i can't help it pete i have the sick the world the great crumble is upon us oh my god Uh, it's so i i love they show they don't tell and we just ride along with it feeling all the emotions along with the character's very smart, confident show.
0: And there's also some really subtle information put in here in terms of you. He goes to this doctor's office that's uh, in an old restaurant, right? Or is it a quickie mart type uh, situation? I think whatever it is, something has been taken over for this doctor's office slash lab. We see some soldiers come in and drop something off. And this tension builds. He's clearly scared of them and what they're doing. Um, and we don't really find out, but it certainly it leaves this very dangling thing. Uh, like you're saying, Justin, it trusts the audience to go along with this ride, pick up this information and hold it until the next episode.
1: Yeah. Um, and the dread with which we see Singh after he reads the book, and they really let us linger on his wife Ronnie uh, reading the yeah. book and just f- crumbling, um, having a, a, a much smaller, of people. a much smaller crumble about what she's been injecting into her body to keep her alive. And I, I thought that was once again just great. They we just got to see the reaction when we still don't know the actual details. We just know it's horrifying.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's also like. You know, as the big man was talking about, you got to do what you got to do to survive. You know what I mean? So if you know, if you got to, you know, stab some C B I CGI fur babies or whatever you got to do, you know, to try to you're you're trying to figure out what's causing and trying to stop it. That's like
1: I've I've said this for a long time, and I think this confirms it. We have a future cannibal right here next to us on the podcast. <laughs> you Got to do what you got to do to survive. Pete's ready to eat.
0: Pete. I'll I'll tell you what, and I know this from experience. Do not be anywhere near Pete's house the second the internet goes down, like even for mm-hmm. a second, because he's outside biting people on the street.
2: Yeah. I think uh I think you're jumping the gun a little bit, but uh I else, appreciate maybe you what... are when
0: you're uh biting people after Spectrum screws you over for like an hour.
1: Yeah, just a service dip and you're like, let me just try one of your pinkies. it's so not <laughs> wiggling. <laughs> well, oh, well, wiggling pinky. Yeah,
2: gotta wiggle. You can tell the pinky's done when it's wiggling. I would like to say though, like uh, all all that aside, like the the shots in the show are so beautiful in so many different ways. I don't know if I've ever seen it this good before. That like fight sequence with the big man uh, while the (laughs) lightning was happening was just really unbelievable.
0: I love the phrase, I don't think I've seen it this good before. That that was my only comment on that. Um, it's a really well-shot show. I completely agree with you. And that fight sequence was amazing. If we want to jump over to the main thrust of the episode, Gus and Jepper, there's so many good moments here with every single one of the characters. One thing, and this is very much jumping to the middle, um, and I'm curious to get your guys' input on this, but I, I'm not sure if you're aware we're in, still in the middle of a viral pandemic in real life. Uh, and it hasn't. Our, have you heard about that? I don't know. It's been I in some it, of I've the heard newspapers.
1: Some news, but mm. I've been watching finger a lot of the fingers, and everyone's fingers <laughs> are pretty stable, so I feel uh, fine. Yes, but I have
0: not particularly liked watching pretty much anything that has anything to do with like, we said it in COVID times and everything's over Zoom and that's how we do this TV show. It just feels like, cool, it, buddy, I'm in this right now. I don't need to experience this. Um, there have been things here and there that I think have worked uh, in different ways, but this is one of the first ones that I think has really incorporated pandemic stuff in a way that really works. And I call this out specifically because they filmed this during COVID, they were one of the few shows that was allowed to film in New Zealand uh, during the pandemic. And the scene of the family sitting at the table, all wearing their masks, yeah. that's straight out of COVID. I don't think they ever would have done that scene, would be my guess, before the pandemic if the show had come out, you know, two or three years earlier. Uh, and it was evocative and smart in exactly the right way.
1: Yeah, the way you said COVID was like it was another TV show that we were watching. Yeah, like exactly. it's straight out of COVID season straight three. Straight
2: out of COVID, <laughs> and I'll we're actually in... that
1: show is going on too long. Too long. Hot take. Yeah.
2: Cancel that Co- show,
1: please. COVID is the lost of our generation. It's yeah. getting a little bit wonky at the end. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, COVID.
2: Yeah. And I'll tell you what.
1: I don't know if COVID's going to come back and really explain why we were cleaning our mail. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to make sense of that. Very losty, and they're not going to be like, "Hey, uh, here's why you here's why you hand washed each grape with a Clorox wipe. That's why. That's the polar bear of COVID."
0: Pete, what did you think about the Gus Jeppard sequences in particular?
2: Um, I uh, sorry, I'm just uh, thinking about how much Clorox I probably in- ingested. Um, yeah, That's good I, for you. Yeah, I, no I, effects, I, no yeah. ill effects.
0: Yeah, and I'll I'll note on the earlier thing that we mentioned, Pete. During the pandemic, whenever he's ran out on the street, whenever the internet goes down, he does wipe people down before he bites them, <laughs> which right. is very nice. That's right. Good.
1: Yeah. That's, that's yeah. good. Very responsible. He would mask. He would mask the person he was eating as well, which is very <laughs> responsible.
2: Yeah, I I, I thought the uh, Gus and the big man were just. Um, just fantastic together, especially how much uh, the big man did not want to deal with Gus. And uh, I didn't get tired of it. I am glad that uh, he was just, you know, telling it like it is. Um, and uh, but also just heartbreaking where Gus is it catches him walking out the door. And he's like, are we leaving? And then just like they sit in it and he's like, oh, and I'm like, oh, man, that is heartbreaking. It's funny, we talked about this the
0: last episode, I think, but Jeppard's Ark is so straightforward. You know exactly where it's going. We've seen this sort of thing a million times to the point where he decides to leave. He takes the supplies. He's very persnickety with everybody. And at the end, him saying to Gus, I'm going to take you that far that's it. And even then you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, we know. You're going to go a little farther than that, Mr. Jeppard. But the way the actor has been playing it and the way that it plays out on the show, it completely works anyway, even though the it's buying into these tropes at every moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, it's taking the Jeopard from the comics and making him even more Jeopardy. There's, we're in Jeopardy mode right here. And uh, I, the, he truly, this in this episode, I was like, the casting uh, in the Jeopard role of, um, what's his name? Uh, Nonso? anazi uh is he's unbelievable because he is so gruff so um direct blunt but his eyes are so expressive and you see when he's fighting all those soldiers like you see him just like not happy that he's this weapon that knows he needs to kill them which he does and you see that the same innocence that uh you see in sweet tooth and gus's eyes is there in Jeopardize. it's just Jeopard's Eyes is just covered by this rough exterior, and it's its great. I was tearing up in this episode during that.
2: Oh, part. my God, yeah. And then also, like, the, the dad at the end was like, holy shit, man, you still got it. It was great to see it, you know? And I was like, dude, you were just watching – Get in there, dude! He's fighting for your fucking.
0: I love the way they played those beats with the dad recognizing him, but not quite recognizing him. Which great, so so true. Like it's a ridiculous thing to point out, but I feel like any other show would have said, "You're Tommy Jepper, the football star who played on this." Blah blah blah. But the fact that he's like, I can't, I can't quite remember. I know I saw your face on TV, and I kind of remember it. I want to be like, "Hey, baby, let's take a selfie," but. Uh, I'm going to tag the wrong guy when I put it on Instagram. Yeah. Perfect.
1: I I agree. That was such a smart writing choice there. Great.
0: And I I did also want to call out one moment right before that fight scene that I thought was so fantastic as well that really points to the future of this relationship is when Gus's face falls after he realized Jepperd is not taking him with him. And then the guy's approach that they immediately together switch into this battle mood was yeah. so exciting. Where he's like, how many people? He's like, I don't know, a lot. I can't smell them because of the rain. And then they just go. That's great.
1: It's great. And Jepperd kills a bunch, and Gus throws paper airplanes, basically, at one of them. And eventually, it kicks him in the shin, I guess. Or Yeah. Well, uh, what did
0: you think of... There's the moment there, though, where Gus is standing there. He has the slingshot pulled. The guy is looking at him, and this... Uh, Spectre of a stag Comes up behind him I think the guy saw it What's happening there?
1: I think it was there because after the guy Is wrecked by Jeopard we see Gus again And the stag is still behind him So it wasn't mm. just an image that he, the guy was seeing I think I took it as This is the the warrior beast That lies in, in Gus's heart And we get to see it sort of Physicalized whether that was an actual stag Or not, that's what it felt like to me
2: Yeah, it was kind of like his, uh, uh, you know, like his—I don't know—like almost avatar or kind of like uh, somebody looking over him. But it was a a really fantastic moment. But what I want to really talk about, though, is the fucking fight scene, guys. I mean, come on—the way it was like outside, but the lightning made it so you could see everything. I mean, that was really unbelievable yeah it was very cool nothing you guys no i i
1: just said i thought it was great it was so emotional and like it was i loved the distance we were with the family we were the dad who was just like whoa i i can't believe i'm watching this and he does he does he wrecks shop but i also think we're saying gus slipped into sort of warrior mode i think we see jeopard recognize that in gus that they have more of a kindred there where they have these soft, uh, uh, almost nougat cores, uh, but on the outside ah, they ah. have the potential to be uh, great warriors.
0: Another relationship that I really liked that I thought was very smartly played uh, was between the two kids. That could have gone in the direction of the little kid being an asshole to Gus. Um, you know, picking on him or calling, he calls him weird at one point, but it's in a very loving way. And the fact that they immediately bond the way that kids really do, where he asks him, hey, do you, you know, kick your leg and go do you scratch behind your ear? And they let them try it. And immediately they're like, great, let's play with trains. Let's go. Now we're playing. Uh, so true to children. And again, I think there's little choices, but there's smarter choices than you normally would see in a show like this.
2: Yeah, I mean, that whole thing of, like, can I go play was just, like, such a uh, a different kind of tonal shift in what was happening, and really opened uh, both parties up for a connection. And you saw, like, it through the kids first, which is really cool. And that whole thing of, like, where we got the title, where it was like, hey, sorry I called you weird. Hey, I'm sorry about all the dead people. You know, we don't really know if it's his fault, but, like, just really... Uh, fantastic uh, connection between the kids and then the excitement over trains and uh, that kind of stuff was just not only was it powerful, but also just like so well shot and played. And oh, it was Us really and cool.
1: Russ, they're they're uh could have been friends, um, if not for the world getting in the way. I also love the moment where inadvertently i think this is also very real amongst kids inadvertently rusty exposes gus's father's lies to uh to gus and i thought that scene was so great oh and yeah played where he's like that's not I, the velveteen rabbit this is the velveteen rabbit yeah, and he's oh, like where are the fires like you see him calculating like oh if he made up this book did he also make up the fires then of course he asks the fires question back again not explaining everything it's just letting us see what's happening and watch the gears turning in his head. And then he moves into the next question. I just love it. Such great small moments throughout this whole episode.
2: I, yeah. The the actors playing Gus is just phenomenal. Like they have the whole part where it's like, okay, you want to get food? We got to go to this creepy lodge. And then Gus like enters and it's hysterical that the big man's got the sniper shot on him, you know, to, uh, to be like, okay, I'll have your back for when you go in. But the fact of like he walks in and has that kid moment of like, whoa, and then like covers his mouth because he's like, be quiet, get the food, get out, you know, Uh, and he blows it immediately was just uh, it's just so well done. So, so well done.
0: The, uh, one of the things that we talked about with the first episode a little bit was the fairy tale nature of this show. And I think they continued to do that really nicely with the visuals, which we've touched on a little bit, but, um, things like, uh, Gus and Russ, his name is Russ. Rusty. Uh, Rusty. Gus and Russ in the sleeping in the boat, uh, just the yeah, whole yeah. idea of the visitor center at the end, uh, Oh my god! What is called? It's not a funicular. The cart that they're riding in is gondola, tra- gondola, yeah, or tram. Uh, they them going down in that very slowly through the forest. Just these things that yeah. are realistic but whimsical at the same time. They split that
2: line very evenly.
1: Yeah, yeah with all the like fucked up animal people uh, below. The
2: yes, yeah. We what have to was- worry about yeah whoa, oh man, that was crazy. Well, let's like- talk
0: about these two cliffhangers and then we can go back. well, the, we talked about the one with Amy a little bit, but obviously pig we have these He's a pig hun- boy pig boy with uh, pig boy. <laughs> the, we talked about the one with Amy a little bit, uh, but we we've got these soldiers out there. We've got these hunters. they reference Abbott's law. I don't think we want to get too much into it. Abbott's ice cream,
2: of course.
0: Yes, so that's what it's a reference to. Thank you for spoiling it, Pete.
2: Spoiling ice cream. Uh, All right. That's what I'm saying. Let's ice cream
0: go bad. This points to a big plot line going forward, and uh, really the big bad of the first season. We won't get more into it than that, but you might have noticed there's a symbol on the hunter's... uh, Robes or whatever they're wearing, uh, the like camouflage, yeah, there's a patch on there, uh, and that certainly points to things going forward. But then you have these skull animal kids who are not exactly animal kids. What do you think is going on with them?
2: I think it's uh, they look like Muppets, so it's probably some tribe of Muppets.
1: Yep, Jim Henson is there and yeah. he's yeah. uh has a cadre of evil animals. It's animal think, for the drummer from the Muppets band,
2: yes, exactly. And well, you think about it, if you know the post-apocalyptic uh, post-apocalypse you know, comes, and then the uh, <laughs> you're gonna somebody's gonna get really too into Muppets. You know, just like somebody's gonna get too into the zoo. So you know, yeah, it, you would see a gang of Muppets. I believe that.
1: Um, I think it's p- people that worship the the animal, the hybrids, and they are. Um, if we have the, these hunters who are coming to get. The gusses of the world. I think these animal folks are coming to, um, from the other side to be uh, equally aggressive, perhaps toward the humans that are out there, like Jeopard, for
2: instance.
0: Any other moments from the episode that you want to call out in particular before we move on? Pete?
2: Uh, I wanted to talk about the, uh, you know, what's it like having a mom moment was just so unbelievable. It's like having a dad, but better. I mean, do you guys are right with that? That was a slap in your face. How are you guys yeah. feeling about that?
1: I mean, I was fine I threw the TV on the floor And yelled (laughs) to my kids Don't you dare say that (laughs) Don't you dare But otherwise I thought it was cool I
0: haven't stopped crying
2: Yeah (laughs) It's uh, It was really just like Having Gus like Watch Rusty With his mom And then like It was just, uh, it was really, and you saw the mom, the mom was great, like her emotion of like going through, like trying to get herself mentally ready to like, oh my God, we're going to have another kid in this house. Like it was really well done. What do you think of? Oh, I I
0: was just going to say on the mom, the thing that I think she played so well, which is a really hard emotion to play, is reticence throughout the episode, that you could feel this outpouring of love and excitement that her son has a friend after 11 years, that Gus is a really sweet, wonderful boy, but that she is holding herself back, that she is scared the entire time. You can feel all of that coming from her, and it was lovely. lovely Yeah, you get
1: the very... The very real parental thing of like, my son needs someone to talk to that's uh, that's his age. And so she needs that for her son. So that's a good thing. But the more danger that uh, Gus would bring if he stayed there is a bad thing. So it was a great, like, sort of real uh, parental choice. I there. mean,
0: I, I don't, I don't want to keep getting back to the real life pandemic. But as a person with kids who have not really been able to play with kids their own age for most of a year and a half... Uh, I felt that pretty hard. And I, I do wonder again, if that's something that came up in the writer's room based on the pandemic as they were forming the series.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think it had, that whole sequence felt like very, felt very present. Like you were saying, uh, what do we think of, of the revelation that, um, that Gus's mom is at uh, Dave Matthews band live at Red Rocks?
2: Yeah. Well, she's just, you know, uh, the Red Rock tour is something, you know, you want to check out in your life. You know, there's a lot of great acts that come through. Mm-hmm. there. So.
0: I mean, I think it makes sense because if anybody is going to keep on playing through the apocalypse and just jam on, it's Dave Matthews.
1: hundred percent. That guy could play just one long tripping Billy's. Um, I was at Red Rocks uh, uh, a couple weeks we ago for that job that I was working on. Oh, for, for real? I was. At, we, we walked Red Rocks. I'd never been there before. It is cool. Yeah. It's very cool, um, and Gus's mom was there. She's very nice. I hope he can get, get over there.
2: Did you tell her that this uh, adorable reindeer kid is looking for her?
1: Yeah, yeah. A rain You
2: think he's a reindeer or a deer? Uh, I'm not sure. You think he's got a little? It rains ra- magic? a loud You know what I mean? And it seemed yeah. like the animals mm-hmm. coming out of the well, rain that looked magical. Yes, so. reindeers cause rain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's they only come out. They only come out in the rain. That they're reindeer.
0: Mm-hmm. They're like Makes mushrooms. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. That's why uh, in the famous uh, true story about Rudolph, he only comes out when it's the whole, the big storm.
0: (laughs) Snow is like very
1: solid rain. It actually is It's very solid rain That is some solid rain <laughs> Very solid rain <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we've covered so much today um, Two other things I want to call out um, I love Gus's food coma Like he wakes up like a oh, drunk yeah, Like yeah, a like What happened? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he yeah. yeah. Eight
0: Jeopards pills. Yeah, Ooh, that <laughs> was, was a probably was wasted. <laughs> yeah, Uh
1: I love just the way that he woke up. I thought it was so funny, and the scene where he hears music for the first time. Oh, Imagine so hearing music for the first
2: time. Uh, yeah, I just I was like, take off his so he can see. You know, what I mean? I'll tell like, you what. Hmm. Uh
1: I wish though
0: they had gone back and Will Forte, beyond just creating children's books, also created records for him, just of like Will Forte singing. Pop hits and things
1: that would be amazing. That's very fun. That'd be a that's the Last Man on Earth version of that. <laughs> yes,
0: <story. laughs> just him singing "Wanna Be" by the Spice Girls. 100%. Right. I want
2: to expose you to music. Um, yeah, I <laughs> what you want. The, the the kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about is just the uh, fact that. Uh, after the second episode of this show, I am not only just all in, but I cannot wait to get more. I mean, it is just not only so well shot, but like everything seems so thought out and so like it just it feels like such a great show, so well done.
0: All right. Why don't we move on to the candy review portion of our podcast? Now, last week, there was a challenge. Last week, last episode, there was a challenge thrown down uh, that, uh, Pete, you originally picked Snickers, and yep. then Justin kind of took it over and went to bat for Snickers being the best of all time.
1: The goat the, the, candy. Bar. The king, the goat candy. The Pete goat and I candy.
0: disagreed a little bit. And so Pete actually picked another one uh, Three Musketeers. Uh, so I got to apologize again. I don't know what my problem is. I looked for a full size Three Musketeers everywhere. And nowhere in my neighborhood. So I ended up having to get fun-sized three musketeers. All right. We got to
2: eat three of them in a row then. No, I can't well, do that. A, uh, but you I do want the
0: thing is, I don't know about yours. Mine have uh, inspirational sayings on them. So I have, you are awesome. Way to go. Keep shining. Congrats. Well played. And you're unstoppable.
1: Oh, Unstoppable? Yeah, wow. I think I'm going to
0: eat that one. I think I'm going to eat the You're
2: Unstoppable one. Are, yeah. we, are we ready to mow oh, down oh, here?
1: Hold on. Alex, did you buy, because mine just says you rock. Did you buy the minis because you wanted more affirmation?
0: I'm feeling real down today after that whole thing <laughs> about moms being better.
1: <laughs> uh, I also got You're Unstoppable.
0: Wow. Whoa. All
1: right. Well, let, let's so. try this. So far, so good. You rock. Great. Now to bite into a big old bar of nothing.
2: (laughs) 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 Uh, Mm. Mm. Go fuck yourself. This is like eating a Mm -hmm. chocolate cloud. It's just fantastic.
1: Clouds. You know what clouds do? Yeah, yeah, they make they so make good. rain or in some cases very solid rain.
2: <laughs> I will say before I get
0: to my reaction to eating a three musketeers I was looking forward to eat a full size one because the only ones I ever eat are fun size because the only time I eat of three musketeers is on Halloween and that's it. But but yeah, it's so soft. Yeah. Nice. None, none of that Lafayette. none of those dumb peanuts getting in the way?
1: Mhm. If the first thing you say is "Wow, this food is soft," that doesn't mean it's not a compliment. That's what you say about a pillow. That's a pillow compliment. But
0: I do like like the nougat does have a very slight bit of bitterness to it. It's not it's not sickeningly sweet. Mm-hmm, I think that's mm-hmm. the reason that I don't know. I'm not a huge candy fan all the time. I don't love super super sweet stuff. We talked. I think Justin, you talked about this as well. Maybe we'll get to at some point. My favorite candy is Twizzlers, which I know everybody disagrees with. But part of the reason is because they're not too strong. Like They're just sort of like this light flavor to them. And I think it's the same thing with Three Musketeers, where it's like I don't feel like I'm sitting down and eating a box of Stouffer's chocolate or anything. It's just a light little treat for my mouth.
2: Yeah, what's nice is the the nougat is just um, in there to just uh, sport up some different... Chocolate, and it's just like, hey, man, we've got, like, a couple things going on here. It's not too much. Just take it easy, relax, and bite into a fucking delicious cloud of chocolate. <laughs> what Sit the fuck is down and just fucking enjoy.
1: That's what it should say on the wrapper. Sit the fuck down and enjoy a little <laughs> chocolate pillow. Uh, what is nougat? What is this goo?
0: Listen, we don't ask questions about
1: mm-hmm. yeah. what it is. I'm telling you, you don't see kind nougat. What worm
0: it comes from. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you don't see, you don't encounter a lot of nougat in the natural world. Like, mm-hmm. there's no... Uh, Too
0: bad, because you should. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Why is it called Three Musketeers? Because there's only two things in here, as far as I can tell. <laughs> it feels like... It fe- well, seriously, it feels like there's chocolate, there's nougat. It feels like it needs one more thing for the three of them to work together. Or maybe yeah. even a fourth thing. And so you get, get their... What is it, Porthos is the fourth one? No, oh, yeah.
1: D'Artagnan's the fourth one. D'Artagnan, ah. okay. Um... I I agree with you. It's an oddly named candy bar, uh, but I feel Milky like... Way
2: should be called Three Musketeers because it's three. times. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's a good call. Milky
0: Way also like it should have the. We can get to this on another episode, but that should have like a milk center, not a caramel center. I know caramel has some milk in it, but
1: yeah. But these candy bars are made up in a time when no one paid attention to <laughs> yeah, anything really. They were made up chaos. at a time where they're like,
0: this is a health
1: tonic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Take your cocaine, have your
2: Three Musketeers. You start your day right.
1: Oh, here we go. I've got a, the Three Musketeers bar was the third brand produced and manufactured by M&M Mars uh, in 1932. Where's the new candy? This candy's too old. Why are we still doing this? Isn't that the this same year perfect.
0: Superman first came out in Action Comics,
1: 1932? Uh, um, perhaps. What correlation are you drawing? Yeah. I'm drawing that two
0: of the best things of all time came out in the same year.
1: Whoa. Uh, originally. That transformed was, culture. <laughs> I don't think this candy bar has transformed much of anything.
2: It transformed uh, my mouth.
1: Into. You were you're uh, eating, eating candy before we started recording this podcast. What does that got to do with anything? Your mouth already had candy in it. So it wasn't transformative. No, this, it, o- it was. It originally had three uh, pieces. I'm sorry.
0: Superman was 1938. Never mind.
1: It originally had three pieces in each package, one chocolate, one strawberry, and one vanilla, Whoa. hence the name Three Musketeers.
0: Mm. Wow. I would like to try those. So yeah, it was like a too. whole Neapolitan thing. That sounds good.
1: I feel like that's all back in the day. They were like, <laughs> just make everything those three things. Everybody loves them. <laughs> I do think it's interesting, though, Alex, you love Twizzlers. I feel like they're the chocolate candies, and then they're mm. the more like... Like functional, uh, like uh, industrial candies, like mm-hmm. the Twizzler ropes, the Necco wafer discs, the weird, where candy was like, like very visceral. It was uh, yeah. You gotta
2: work for it. Like a fun dip,
1: all disgusting. Wait, wait, you, you wait. You said fun dips disgusting. Fun dip. You're eating literally. Just get a handful of sugar and put it in your mouth. Why? Yeah, but you get a little stick. You get a little stick? Yeah. (laughs) What do you think a spoon is? A spoon is a better stick. You don't have to lick it and get goo.
2: That's the fun. I also don't
0: like fun dip. I never understood it. Oh, my God. I'm on Justin's side. I I love every candy. Did you offer up, so you're not a fan of Three Musketeers, Justin. Is that what I'm getting?
1: Unlock the nougat mystery, and then we'll talk. But, yes, uh, I would never actively choose this candy bar when a couple packages over, you got the Snickers daddy just waiting right there.
2: It's lighter. It's a nice, lighter choice to that. All right, there we go.
0: That is it for this episode of Candy Men. If you'd like to support our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Go straight to our candy budget. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at comic book live on Twitter. ComicBookClubLive.com For this podcast and more Also we do a live show Every Tuesday night At 7pm to Crowdcast And YouTube We'd love for you to come out And talk about Sweet Tooth Until next time The candy men can
1: <laughs> Solid Solid rain